listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. So, 2 Peter chapter number 1, I believe is where I said we're going to begin. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading by reading verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11. Let's begin here in verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for a few short moments here this morning, uh, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message uh, is called A Growing Faith. A Growing Faith. Let's pray one more time and ask God to bless. Father, we come before you in need of you once again, and I pray that you would help me, Lord, to convey what you have shown me through your word. I pray that you would help me to uh, articulate your, this passage, Lord, and that it would be a blessing and help and encouragement to our people here this morning. Lord, I pray that this would be true of me, Lord, a growing faith. I pray that this would be something that I desire that you would put inside of me that, that Lord, I would see as important. And God, I just pray that you would be blessed. Hide me behind your cross. May you be seen this morning. Help me to say what you would want and take away those things that should not be remembered. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants each of us to grow spiritually. God wants our faith to expand. God wants our faith to mature. God wants us to have a growing faith. He wants us to ultimately be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the end-all, be-all. Now, when we talk about spiritual growth this morning, we're going to tie three words that I believe are important when it comes to growing in our faith. And so these three words, I'll say them right now, they're going to be part of the message. They'll be our points this morning. Number one is identity. If you're taking notes, write that down. Number one is identity. Number two is addition. And number three is confidence. It's these three words that are tied to spiritual growth, and these will be our points for this morning. Now, as we continue here, there's two things I want you to understand about growth. You might want to write these down. Number one, spiritual growth and physical age are not the same. Spiritual growth and physical age are not the same. What I mean by that, and I think you guys know, that is just because you are 60 years old doesn't mean 
you are spiritually mature or have grown in Jesus. You're like, you're, you're like Benjamin Button, all right? You physically look like you're old, that you've aged, but really you're only about two, three years old in the faith. And that can be true of a lot of Christians. So we have to understand that spiritual growth and physical age are not the same. You can be a 21-year-old Christian and be a very wise adult Christian. And so, number one, spiritual growth and physical age are not the same. And number two, remember this, how much you want to grow is really up to you. How much you really want to grow in your faith is up to you. God will not force you to grow. It is his desire. It is his plan. It is his purpose. But ultimately, how much you want to grow is really up to you. Now, with those things in mind, we find Peter addressing the same group of Christians that he did in the first book of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, he warns them about an incoming persecution from without. But in 2 Peter, the whole gist of uh, 2 Peter is that there's going to be uh, incoming deception from within. If you read the rest of uh, 2 Peter, you'll find that there is false teachers, false doctrine going around, and yet Peter is warning the Christians there. And yet in this first chapter, he encourages the believers to grow in their faith and to continue being more like Jesus. So as I said before, our faith was made to grow. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith growing? Is my faith growing? This is something that you and I have to be aware of, and it is very important. So number one here, that first word that I gave you when we tie these three words to growth is number one, a growing faith begins with identity. Identity. We find Peter opening up this letter by identifying the commonality of their identity in Jesus, okay? So look at verses one through four. And what I would actually ask you to do is uh, take a line or kind of circle those four verses and I would write on the side of there, this is what I do, the done but done, D-O-N-E, not will done, D-U-N-N, but done, D-O-N-E, okay? Alongside of those verses. Let's look at verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is where growing faith begins. It begins by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with the foundation of salvation. It begins by accepting the gospel. It begins by being born again. This is where it all starts. So this morning, it would be cavalier of me to assume that everyone in here is saved. If you haven't trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, I plead with you today. The Bible says that if you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you will be saved. And so this morning, I don't want to take anyone for granted. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today is the day. Today is to come to him. Today is to surrender. Today is to ask forgiveness of your sins, to repent and to trust Jesus as Lord. This is where 
your growing faith begins, your identity. Now, Peter does this because our identity in Jesus is so crucial. For those who aren't saved, they need that identity. And yet for those who are saved, your identity is so important even after you are saved. Our identity in Jesus is the foundation for growth and maturity. Now let's break these verses down, one through four. Verse number one, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Say that together, ready? Like precious faith. With us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is that verse saying? It is saying by the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ, we have right standing. You and I have no ability to put our forth our righteousness. What does the Bible say about our righteousness? They're filthy rags. They don't even come close. And yet what it's saying is that we needed some else, someone else's righteousness, a foreign righteousness, and yet that righteousness was given to us by Jesus Christ. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We were imputed Jesus' perfect record because we couldn't make our own. Our record was tainted with sin and mess up and all these different things, and yet we needed a righteous record. So now we have obtained that faith. Now we have an identity because of Jesus' righteousness imputed to us. Verse number two, grace and peace be multiplied. Who likes grace and peace? Raise your hand. I love grace and peace, right? You, you like grace and peace. And it says here, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See, grace and peace are in abundance as we desire to know more of God and who he is and how he works. And in return, when we know more of God, we know more of Jesus, we will actually know more of who we are in him. It is, in, it is important that you commune with God. And yet those avenues that we get to commune with God is what? prayer, Bible reading, and the people of God. And yet it says this, Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied because within that already built in that system is going to be grace and peace. And he's saying, look, I want you to have more of that at, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then look at verse number three, according as his divine power, our God has power, God power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. What we're talking about is growth, right? A growing faith, spiritual growth, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We find here through his divine power, we've been given all things to live godly. And he has called us to glory and virtue. And then verse number four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Raise your hand if you've made promises in your life. Raise your hand if you've broken those promises. Those aren't precious promises, right? <laughs> God has precious promises. And he says, and it says here that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so as we take all four of those verses together, what we have been given, and uh, uh, taken all together, we'll get to uh, a little uh, summary of those verses. But in verse 4, we've been given these exceeding great and precious promises. So the question is, what has God promised to us? Eternity in his family. An end to our suffering. Transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Purpose and meaning forever. There's many, many more precious promises, and I challenge you to actually look for them. Go throughout scripture, take some time, write these promises down that God has never broken. 
but check them out and see for yourself. May that build confidence in you to grow a faith, to grow your faith. And yet these precious promises of God are of such great value that merely possessing them has already given us the right to participate in the divine nature. So let's, let's, put, let's summarize all of these verses together, one through four. So with all these verses combined, what Peter is saying to you is that you have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ and by knowing him, you will understand that by his power you have been given all you need to live godly as you've been called to glory and virtue because you have been given great and precious promises that declare you a child of God. This is who you are. See, a growing faith begins with identity. Okay? Say the word identity. Identity. A growing faith begins with identity. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who you are in Jesus? This is key because you could be stuck spiritually not knowing your purpose or calling. To know who, you, who we are in Jesus Christ is the beginning to a growing faith. Number two, what we see here in the text, not only is there identity that's part of a growing faith, number two, a growing faith continues with addition. Addition. I want you to write this down if you're taking this. Spiritual growth is never accidental, but always intentional. Spiritual growth is never accidental. It's always intentional. Peter says, besides this, giving all diligence. Okay? Anyone know what diligence means? I asked my wife this question, and I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> Does anyone know what diligence means? Okay, keeping at it. That's 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 kind of along the term. That's along the way, pretty much. It's go ahead, ma. Consistent. Yes. So diligence means to give careful and persistent work or effort. Okay, it's being aware. See, Peter moves from our salvation verses one through four to our sanctification. He moves from our salvation in Jesus to our sanctification in Jesus. He moves from who we are, our identity in Jesus, to us becoming like Jesus. He moves from who we are, uh, he moves from us being settled in Jesus to growing in Jesus. A growing faith does take effort. And as I said before, God wants us to grow in him. He wants our faith to be deepened and expanded. A growing faith continues with addition. So let's read here verses 5. Verses 5 through 8. It says this, and besides this, giving all diligence, all effort, uh, being persistent, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Peter in the first, four, uh, Peter in the first four verses gives us this done part. Remember when I told you on the side, write the word done, okay? Because this is super, super crucial. And what I mean by this is if you read throughout the scriptures, you will find a certain gospel pattern, okay? There's a gospel pattern. You will find that before God ever asks you to do something for him, he always tells you what's been done by him, okay? Now, this is crucial because if we want to be obedient to what he's asking us to do, we have to rest in what has been done for us. That's why Peter starts out and says, look, this is who you are. 
This is who you are in Jesus. You didn't earn this. You didn't get this. You didn't get this by your effort. He says, rest in the reality that Jesus has done this for you. You're a child of God. There's no way of you trying to earn your status with me. It's been given to you already through Jesus. And yet that should give you joy. That should make you happy. Whenever you think about what God has done for you, there should be a swelling desire to just give it all. It's called grace. It's radical. It's You've never deserved this, but I'm giving it to you. I love the way one of my favorite people I like to listen to, Matt Chandler, he says it like this, you didn't eat dinner, but you get dessert, right? A lot of times you guys have grown up, you have to eat dinner before you get dessert. That didn't work in, uh, that worked in my family, right? I barely even got dinner, all right? Because the thing is, my grandma would make this, make a bunch of vegetables. And so I'd be like, oh, I don't even care about dessert. I ain't even trying to get dinner, all right? But, but the thing is, you didn't eat dinner, but you, you get dessert. And yet that is an amazing, amazing concept of grace, is that you didn't deserve what Jesus has done for you. And so throughout every do, what always precedes that is a done. It is to get your mind back into this reality that what you're about to do, okay, the motivation to do is what I've done for you. Why? Why is that such a big deal? Because when you begin to serve God, when you understand the done, it doesn't become a have to. It doesn't become a have to. It becomes a, a want to. It doesn't become earning. It doesn't become, oh God, I got to serve you or else. It becomes, God, I want to serve you, serve you no matter what. That's the difference. That's the motivation. And yet Peter does exactly that. He tells them of their identity in Jesus Christ, what has been done for them by the grace of God, and knowing that they are secured in that, he tells them now, do this. Add to your faith. In your faith. Grow in your faith. Expand in your faith. Now here's the thing. The qualities that were mentioned we'll get to, but we must avail ourselves to these qualities as we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit's going to do this inner work of these qualities. Now understand that these qualities are linked together. You cannot have one without the other. We don't get to choose which ones we like. So when Peter says add, he's saying, look, furnish beside, contribute, fully supply your faith. So our faith needs to be added to, contributed to. And so let's define these graces Peter encourages us to add to our faith. Number one is virtue. Virtue means moral excellence. He has called us to walk upright as we apply his word to our lives. Number two is knowledge. It's a deeper understanding of who God is, and we are called to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3, 18. But also knowledge has a different side to it as well, called active knowledge, right? It, it means that you know something, but yet it, it just doesn't move from your, it, it doesn't mean it just moves, it stays in your head, but it actually moves to your hands, okay? I told Jessica, I said, I know that I'm your husband, okay? <laughs> but I know I have to do some things to also show that I'm your husband, okay? So it moves from my head to my hands. It's having that active knowledge. And then we move from knowledge to temperance, right? Or in other words, self-control. 
okay? This means in all aspects of our lives, in our habits, speech, thoughts, and conduct, and all things. Then we move to patience, which means endurance under trials. This is a steadfastness that endures endure suffering and withstands temptation, whether it be from the opposition of the world or direct assault from Satan. And then five, godliness, which means to be a devout or God-fearing, godly character out of a devotion to God. And then brotherly kindness, phileo love, Philadelphia, all right? Jess and I are going to be going back to Pennsylvania, and we'll fly into the airport of Philadelphia, which, man, I remember when I haven't been home for so long, I thought, this place is a dump, man. It's like, I, I love this place, but man, I didn't realize how dirty this airport was. And it made me so thankful for San Francisco, all right? And Philadelphia, phileo love, which is brotherly kindness. That means we have love one toward another in our church, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then you move lastly to charity, which is the foundation of all of these things in our faith. And that means love. But it's not just any type of love. What love is it? It's agape love. That means unconditional love for you, for everyone and anyone. Now, these qualities, as said before, they go, they go hand in hand. And you cannot have one without the other. And for some of us, we're probably thinking, I'm, okay, I think I have this one, and I think I have that one. I'm not really self-controlled. Uh, I do love everybody. Uh, and you have all of these, uh, the ones that you want to pick and choose, and you don't really want to work at some of them. But the reality is you can't do that because they're linked together. I like to think about these qualities as like the Russian nesting dolls, okay? So the, the big one you have is faith, and then when you open up that one, then you have uh, virtue, and then you open up that one, you have knowledge, and then after knowledge, you have temperance and, and so forth, and you have them all encased in this one thing called faith. See, the first one is faith, and inside faith, you have virtue, and in virtue, knowledge, and inside knowledge, you have temperance. And you have to also understand that each grace is to temper and to make perfect the grace that goes before it. So just think about it. He says, add to your faith virtue. And what does virtue need? He needs knowledge. And what does knowledge need? It needs some temperance. And so all of these things, as I said before, they're linked together, but they temper one another to make them perfect. See, virtue to knowledge and to knowledge to temperance. Here's a question. Are these true of your faith this morning? Now, Peter says this is important to add to your faith because there are two things that can happen if you don't and if you do. Let's read here in verses 8. And nine. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Peter says there's two effects that happen. One, if you choose to grow in your faith, it will lead to effectiveness and fullness fruitfulness in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, a godly life. Remember, not just the knowledge of I know God, which we need to. We need to know his character intellectually, but also you know God through your actions. He says you become fruitful. He says you begin to grow. This thing happens. You won't be unfruitful. You won't be barren. But then he says if you choose to neglect your faith, then barrenness, the opposite effect will happen. You become ineffective. We lose out on being greatly used by God. God wants to use you. I think we all know that, that God wants to use us, but here's the thing, you do have to be available, okay? You do have to be available. You do have to grow in your faith. He wants 
means to use you. Peter also says that when we don't add to our faith these graces, we become blind and forgetful that we were even changed. And I think this is one of the sad parts about it is that there is an effect that we don't choose to grow in our faith when we don't make an effort to cultivate our faith or grow spiritually. There's an effect when we neglect to allow the Holy Spirit to grow these graces in us and we neglect to spend time with God and we neglect to pray and we, we neglect to read the word and we neglect to be with God's people. We become blind. We can't see clearly. And then it also says this, as if we forgot that we have been bought with a price. We have forgotten that we have our sins forgiven. It kills the identity of who we are. Now here's one thing I want to encourage you in this part, and we're almost done here and getting to the third one. That I know sometimes as you hear this, add to your faith, sometimes it can be overwhelming, but here's the key. Growth is a process. Growth is not perfection. Growth is a process. And all of us are on our own journeys of growing. You're not going to perfect these in your lifetime. It's something you're going to continually work on through your life. I was telling Jessica that this is not perfection. Why? Because here's the reality. I might be self-controlled one minute and then I might be out of control the next. But the reality is that I keep growing in it so that if I was, self if I was very uncontrolled in 2008, hopefully by 2022, I got a little better on that. Why? Because I've allowed the Holy Spirit to help me grow. That's what growing is. Is growing perfection? No. I, I challenge you. Take a seed of a flower or something. Plant it tonight. See if that grows in perfection tomorrow. No. It takes time. So I want to encourage you. A growing faith is a journey. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I love what J.C. Ryle says. Gradual growth in grace, growth in knowledge, growth in faith, growth in love, growth in holiness, growth in humility, growth in spiritual mindedness. All this I see clearly taught and urged in scripture and clearly exemplified in the lives of many of, many of God's saints. But sudden, instantaneous leaps from conversion to consecration, I fail to see in the Bible. I fail to see it. You think, oh, what about, what about the Apostle Paul? He got converted, boom, now he's the Apostle. Like, look at everything he did. Do you remember when Paul says, I would do those things that I shouldn't do? Paul didn't say, look, I'm perfected. Paul's saying, there's a process. And I still do those things I shouldn't do. And I don't do those things that I should. And so understand that growing, growth is a process. So number one, a growing faith begins with identity. Number two, a growing faith continues with addition. And finally here, let this encourage your heart. A growing faith produces confidence. Let's read here in verse 10. Wherefore rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For you do these things, you shall never fall. What does that sound like? <laughs> When, when I read this verse, I read it, you know, I've read it many times, but always it makes me think, oh, I better do these things and stay saved. Because if I do this, then, I, then I'm saved. Here's the reality. Not, understand what Peter is not saying. Peter is not saying, add these qualities to your faith and you'll be saved. 
because we know that our salvation is not based on our effort. Why do you think he gave us for the first four verses? So you wouldn't make this mistake. What he's saying is, look, you had no reason to be saved. Da, 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 da. God saved you. Now understand this. What Peter is saying is since you are saved, the addition of these qualities over time is the natural outgrowth of the divine nature that you already partake in. Remember, the identity is key. We are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And Peter is saying these qualities only give you more confidence to know that you are changed and redeemed. See, a parallel verse to this is Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work for your salvation. No. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, what Paul is saying is work out, not work for. And what Peter is saying is from that working out, you are confident of what has already been worked in. Okay? Jesus has worked salvation in you. Now for us, we work it out. Since we already have faith, we grow our faith. We allow that faith to grow by adding to us these qualities of virtue, temperance, knowledge, all of those things that Peter mentions. And yet what this does for the child of God is it shows and gives us confidence that we are a child of God. You know, many Christians struggle with their salvation. And I believe one of the reasons is found here. They don't know who they are in Christ and because they do not cultivate their faith, it leads to blindness, forgetfulness, and a lack of confidence. So they live in fear. They become ineffective, and they're not knowing that they can really live for God. They can really trust God. And that's why it is important that we understand that we must not be afraid to avail ourselves to these graces, to allow the Holy Spirit to take over our lives and to make us more like Jesus. That's why it is important that we rest in what has been done and believe that we are his children and allow our identity to propel us into a growing faith. So this morning, as we finish here this morning, are you growing in faith? Are you adding to your faith? Spiritual growth is what God wants from us. And a growing faith is key. He wants us to go from a baby Christian to a growing Christian. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning. You don't have to be perfect. It takes time. Plant a flower, you'll find out. But God wants you to grow. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray.